You're listening to the Off the Line Soccer Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Off the Line Soccer Podcast. My name's Jack. Today I'm joined by Jake and Aiden. How are you guys doing? Hi, Jack. Just as you can imagine, very disappointed after the result today. But other than that, not too bad. Um, catching up on, on some Syria action this week and, and not much else is new, Aiden. What about you? Yeah, I'm all right. Just working through a little bit of schoolwork. It's firing up and monitoring the games. A little disappointment, like you mentioned, but um, we'll get into it more. I think it was to be expected. How are you, Jack? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I, I, I'm a little frustrated, obviously. This is coming off the back of the uh, Sheffield United, Man United game and the Everton-Leicester game. And we'll, we'll get into it, but Leicester drop point, or Everton drop points to Leicester, which isn't the best because it's an opportunity missed. But other than that, yeah, I'm good. Um, today, we're, it's going to be a quicker one today. We're going to go over um, Chelsea and Frank Lampard. As, as we all know, Thomas Tuchel is now the new manager of Chelsea. Um, after Frank Lampard has been sacked uh, after a very, very poor start or even like in the middle of the season now, Frank Lampard just not doing the job at Chelsea. Um, we'll go over the United result and Everton result. And then at the end, we'll, we'll add anything, anything else to talk about. But I, I'd like to start off. We'll start off with uh, the Sheffield Bless you, Jake. Holy smokes. Thank you. Sorry. I was trying to figure out Sorry how to do it. Sorry to everyone's like, ears quick. out there. I'm going to edit it out, but it's fine. Um, I guess we'll start with the Sheffield United Man United game, guys. Uh, very, very surprising result. Sheffield United winning, I believe, their second game of the season. Uh, Jake, I'll come to you first. What what went wrong for United in this game? How'd they lose this? Uh, I, Aiden's the one who who mentioned it to me while we were watching the game. It just looked like United expected to win the game without having to actually put in the work needed to to make sure that they win the game. It's just embarrassing to be completely honest. Sheffield United would they have five points at this point? Um, prior to this game, one win against Newcastle United. Like I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, when that happened. How how embarrassed that Newcastle should feel. And you guys, well, Aiden Aiden knows, but you guys, it, it's. I feel very embarrassed right now to to have been like one of the teams to lose to lose to the bottom of the table. Uh, it, it was just a chance, like just to go back to the top of the table again, uh, put some pressure on on City coming into their own game against Sheffield United next week or this week. And um, yeah, United just kind of disappointed. It was just like the, I'm sure Aiden will get into it more, but the the second goal that Sheffield United scored was really embarrassing defending. To be honest, it was just. Honestly, it was shocking. I can't really even put it into words. I feel bad for, for uh, Axel Twanzebe because there's been a couple times this season where he's tried to put his body in the way just to block the shots coming in and against uh, Leicester and against and in this game against Sheffield United where he ends up deflecting the ball past his own keeper in his own net. So I feel sorry for him. It's just disappointing all around. Um, the first goal, too. Uh, like David De Gea, like, like Aiden mentioned earlier to uh, off mic to us, like – if, if you're the goalkeeper, you just have to barge through the, the defenders just to make sure you get to the ball first because the, the referees won't be giving fouls for that against the goalkeepers because um, they never have, and I'm pr- fairly certain that they never will. So 
but you have to make sure to do everything you can to get to the ball. Um, you just kind of look at it too. And David went to punch the ball, and he kind of like uh, Keen Bryan's arm, which blocked him from getting to the ball. Like it wasn't a foul or anything. I'm not saying that at all. It's just like a little unlucky. Like David did all the work to to get like in a decent ish position, but then he just like misaimed his punch, and he punched his arm, which effectively blocked blocked his hand from getting to the ball, and then it hit, it hit Keen Bryan's head. He had it in off the post, so just very disappointing. Um, yeah, Harry Maguire, to give him a, some credit, he scored a really nice header, which, he, let's be honest, he doesn't score nearly enough headers. He gets in some good positions, and he, he messes up quite, quite a bit of headers, but he scored a nice one today, and that was pretty much, like, the only positive to take from the game, to be completely honest. Uh, Aiden, uh, what do you think about this one? Okay, there was a little bit of technical yeah. difficulty there, but I'm, I'm here, yeah. Like you said, very embarrassing, but uh, I think if you're being honest with yourself, one of these results was coming around the corner from United. If you see how they just – the performances, like Jack has touched on in previous weeks, and I think both of us have, is the results have been there, but the performances just getting by with one – like one goal wins against some pretty average or poor teams and – I just see that the, for me, the effort level from everyone in the squad isn't really there if you're going to win the title. The talent is there from the squad, but from other champions of the past, Liverpool, Cities, Chelsea's, whatever, they actually command and, and show that they're better than the players they're playing against every week. They don't just show up with the talent and, and try to rely on that. That's what I kind of saw today from United. And Sheffield were they were getting to the ball a, a lot quicker than United and actually winning a lot of 50-50s, which was disappointing to see. There wasn't too much urgency until the last, I would say, 10 or 15 minutes uh, trying to throw the ball in quickly, move up the pitch quickly, and, and do everything. And some of the best urgencies that I saw was from Van de Beek, but he, he never really gets a start. So it's kind of unfortunate. I don't know... Uh, for me, I think Martial, this game kind of sums him up. He doesn't really know the proper movement, in my opinion, to be a number nine against a low block. So I think that Solskjaer will be relying heavily on Cavani moving forward. Uh, that's just my opinion, though. And the defending for the second goal was horrible. Like That was just the epitome of like no effort at all. It doesn't even matter if they were like weren't trying to pick anyone up there like Burke was standing in the same position they they gave him two efforts to try and get the ball into him the first one was blocked and then it came right back to him the second time and he he put it home off of Tunes AB so really is showing a lack of effort and desire to win and it it's not really the stuff of champions and while we are living on this kind of dream and enjoying the ride while it while it's been happening it it was always likely given the performances that it would fall down eventually. And that's why the last episode that I was on, we talked about city being the favorites because they're just so much more solid and convincing. And they put in the effort to, even if they lose the ball, they get it back so they can keep it again. And you don't really see that from United in the first half. Pogba was running the show, but that kind of waned as the match went on. And it's just really disappointing and they just didn't create enough chances. So, eventually they'll have to learn or else they'll really fall off. They won't be second anymore. They'll be falling down to fourth place if they can't break down sides with the low block because 
for me, the blueprint is there to beat United. It's low block them and try to hit them on set pieces and on the counter. And the warning signs were there from United's defense, even though Sheffield didn't score uh, like a, a break, like a counterattacking goal or a break. There was some times where there was narrow offsides, but they were able to get in behind the United defense, which was playing a high line. Maguire not able to recover, and it was a shame that Bailly was injured before the match in training, so he couldn't play in two hands. AB had to step in. Uh, yeah, that's really all I have to say. I don't really know what Manich was offering the team yet again until he moved back to center back with 10 minutes left. He, that was his best moments of the game. I think against a team like Sheffield, Van de Beek could do that role quite easily and be a lot silkier on the ball and maybe offer a little bit more in terms of linking the play up. But that's just me. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Yeah, I would say I would say like the number one thing. Obviously, I, I've said that the performances aren't always there, but the results have been there, and and that's okay to an extent. But I think like part of the reason for that, United always they keep concede. I don't know the exact stats, but they always concede the first goal, and it makes it so much harder for them when they have to you know kind of wake up after the first goal, and that's what kind of uh, forces forces them to play. If they just stop, if they score first and can go after the game they'd be definitely better being being a better position because right now it's it's hard even against teams like Sheffield United who, who they might be getting relegated if, if we're being completely honest but they're still giving it a go and they're obviously if they're going to take a lead they're going to try to defend and and make it hard for United uh yeah like overall it's just going to be a lot easier if they if they score first but they keep giving up the first goal but um like, do, do you guys know the 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 record currently? Like the their stats for going behind and winning games. Like, I know I saw something the other day that said it was super crazy. Yeah, they went from their eight away games. They've gone behind in seven of them, and they've won all seven. And at home, I believe now they've gone behind in four games, and they've won zero. So, if you put the math together, that's eleven games that they've gone behind in this season in the Premier League. Yeah, just like even the results are are there for that, but if they, um, like if they're conceding goals first, it, it does. It makes it harder, even though like based off this season, it seems like it would be the opposite. It's just very strange, very strange season. But there is a big game. United obviously play against Arsenal, who I do want to talk about in a little bit. Uh, play against Arsenal on Saturday. That's going to be a hopefully a very exciting game, but. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll move on unless do you, Aiden, do you have anything else left to say about United? Yeah, I was just gonna say like what you're talking about about coming out and not like scoring the first goal. That was what I kind of mean about champions of the past and real title contenders is that they don't they don't really rely on the like purely on their talent. They come out and impose themselves early on and show that they are the be- better than these lesser teams or teams that are supposed to be lesser. So that's why I really think this United team falls down and. Uh, I'm not sure if it's like everyone in the in the team has the confidence of a player like Bruno. I, I don't I don't believe that to be true. So we'll see how it progresses. But that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the other games today, Everton taking on Leicester City. Everton looking to climb up the table and get into those Champions League spots with a couple games in hand on everybody. Um, they take the lead. 
in the first half through a very, very good goal from James Rodriguez, who's finally back fit and firing. He's really, really – he's really good. Just the, That's all I can say from being an Everton fan. Obviously, we haven't seen that many top, top players, but he's, he's up there with the best that I've seen play for Everton. I haven't even seen him play for that long. A really, really good strike with his right foot. And then Jordan Pickford lets in a Yuri Tielemann strike in the second half. That goes straight at him through a wall. Um, just in my opinion, I saw some people saying that it's kind of hard for Pickford and no goalie is saying, saving that. I don't know what you're watching there because I would say any professional goalkeeper needs to save that. And it's just once again, Jordan Pickford causing all sorts of problems for the rest of this Everton team. And for Everton who have... Obviously, they have injuries, and they were missing Allen and Takure for this game. So they had Andre Gomez and Tom Davis, which is a midfield that finished 12th in the Premier League last season. Um, like, in the low block for this game, you know, it's it was always going to be a tough ask, but Everton have been very, very, very good defensively for a while now. Michael Keane, Yerry Mina, uh, Mason Holgate, and Ben Godfrey have put in a shift every single game, and it's Obviously, Leicester are a good team, and the, over the course of the game, definitely created the better chances. But even their XG had just over a goal, and Everton had like 0.7. So it's not a crazy difference, but the fact that the, that Leicester—that's how they how they score—and Pickford conceding a goal like that, just really uninspiring. And in my opinion, I'm trying not to get too upset because they still did get a point against. Uh, title contenders in, in Leicester City, but it just goes to show Everton's still a work in progress. And even though, you know, most of the, most of the squad is really, really um, proving themselves at this point in time, there's still weak links. And, and personally, I think that goalkeeper is one of the weakest links and it's just been um, kind of hidden over the last little while because Everton have been so good defensively and haven't given up too many chances and, it's it's really disappointing to to drop points because Everton really would have uh, it, it just would have been a really big result. But luckily, uh, Everton play Newcastle at Goodison Park next game, so I I really hope that they can go and absolutely destroy Newcastle. But they lost to them last time, so I don't know what to say. But uh, what do you guys think, Jake? I'll come to you first. What do you think of this result for both sides as a as a neutral? Yeah. I don't think it's that bad. Like, it, it could obviously, like, this is just common sense, but could have been better for both teams. But going into it, like, it's not horrible considering their, their positions at the table. Like, they're they're quite close to each other, and they're both obviously some very good teams. Um, I think, like, both sides, obviously, this is the case in general, but they'll be relieved at least they didn't lose. At least they got something out of the game. Uh, I think Everton now, uh, what are they? I think they're four points out of the – or excuse me. They're two points out of the top four with two games in hand. So, I mean, it's not like this draw left them in a bad position at all. Obviously, it would have been nice uh, from, like, your point of view if everything could have been in the top four before those games in hand. But it's definitely not a bad situation to be in. And Leicester, I believe they're third. I think they're, they're tied on points with United now, um, which is obviously for them, too. They're, okay. They're one point um, behind. So yeah, still either way for them, that's a that's a really good position to be in in the table, especially at this stage of the season. Like we mentioned, like the teams in contention right now, like they this is these are like the actual contenders. They won't be be falling away to like eighth, ninth, tenth, that kind of thing. So I think, and just from a selfish point of view, to be to be honest, from United's 
like from a United fans point of view, I'm kind of glad this game finished in, in a draw just to keep the keep the teams away from United. But um, definitely would have been nice for for both teams to get the win. But I don't think it's that bad. Like obviously, yeah. So like I said, obviously a good result for both teams. Um, Everton, I think they're two points out of the top four with two games in hand. So that's obviously you can't say it's a bad thing for them. Honestly, if I would have asked you, Jack, at the beginning of the season. Uh, I'm sure you have taken at this stage on Everton or above Wolves, Chelsea, and Arsenal, um, and not not losing too often against the better teams either. I think you've drawn what drawn against Leicester, drawn against um, someone I forget, Liverpool. Uh, be, yeah, like uh, Liverpool, beating, like, you know, beating Chelsea yeah. and Arsenal, I believe, if I remember properly. So yeah, I think it's a good run for them. Obviously for Leicester, they're probably a little disappointed not to have one. Because uh, they could have taken advantage of of where United are on the table or of United's results, they could leapfrog United at the table. But it's not really a bad result. I mean, as long as you, it sounds obvious, but as long as you get any sort of points, it's always like a a decent. And, and sorry, between these two teams with their positions at the table, it's always like a decent result. Uh, it's it's just important more more often than not to not lose these games. So. Like you know, I haven't watched the any of the highlights or anything because it was on the same time as the United game. But I think both teams should be reasonably happy with the way things went here. Uh, Aiden, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think it was a good result for both teams, just given the context. Right now, uh, no Jamie Vardy for Leicester, so just to pick up a point, and albeit it was a Pickford mistake, score a goal without Vardy is is decent from a Leicester's perspective because we know how important he is to the team. And then for Everton, getting a goal from James Rodriguez and kind of getting him back confident and, and firing is is really huge because I think he's going to be the catalyst. If they're going to push on to that Europa League spot or maybe even the fourth spot if uh, all things go well. And, yeah, Everton having a really good season, 10 wins. They have more wins than Liverpool right now and played one less game. So you can't really argue with that. Uh both really good coach sides. My only question about it is, like, how long does this continue with Pickford? Because I swear every time that Everton drop points, it's another Pickford mistake. So how long until he's not the keeper anymore? Is this just the politics of football? He's still the England number one. So he just retains his place in the Everton team no matter what? Or do they do they bend him off in the summer and find a new solution? What do you think, Jack? I, well, that that's the first of all I do want to say. You guys is like like level headed responses are, are reassuring because like you guys said, like Everton being in this position at this point in the season, like I would not have guessed it. But it's just the fact that, and I know like it's still transition and we're building. And Ancelotti has only brought in three of his his signings, but it's just little things like like Pickford with this mistake and. Uh, we're recording right after the game, so you guys haven't seen it yet. But when you guys see this mistake, you're probably just going to laugh and be like, yeah, it looks like exactly what you'd expect Pickford to do when I describe a Pickford mistake. But it, it's those little frustrating things where I feel like Pickford, even though Everton weren't the most creative today, um, they like, bless her, that was, they didn't create a ton of clear cut chances at all. And it's, mistakes like that shots from outside of the box i swear there's just a pickrid just a pylon in the net sometimes just literally cannot save anything and i agree with you aiden like not all three of us none of us have have rated jordan pickford um and he shouldn't there's no way he's england's best goalie like i would go as far as to say i haven't seen the statistics but i would say he's top bottom 
three or four goalkeepers in the league and there's some terrible goalkeepers in the Premier League right now but it's it's just really frustrating I know some fans were calling for it and I'd prefer it as well Robin Olsen the Swedish international goalie who's on loan from Roma uh, he's hasn't put any he hasn't put a foot wrong every time he's come into the into the team and it's just very calm he's also like six foot five so when he has to make these these saves that Pickford physically can't make and it's yeah. not his fault he's literally too small Robin Olsen I just he's just more calm I'm just I just feel more as a fan I'm just more calm watching him and you see like Pickford like shots going in and crosses coming into the box and you see Yeah, I mean, and Michael Keane, who've been um, after that blip after the really good start of the season. uh, Yeah, Keane and Mike, or (laughs) Yeah, Keane, Yeah, I mean, and Michael Keane have been really, really good. And it just it shows when Yeah, I mean, is like jumping with his whole body through the air to get a header off, so a shot doesn't have to go to Pickford. Just shows they don't trust him to keep the balls out of the net, and it's it's just it's annoying. But like like we'll move away from Everton now, but. It is it is good knowing like like Ancelotti, it's gonna work. We just have to keep getting better players. And it was it was a, a Jamie Vardy list Leicester City team, but obviously Allen and DeCorey missing for Everton is probably just as as uh, probably just as important because that midfield, like we all know, finished twelfth in the Premier League last season. It really is not that good, even though I thought I, I just don't think that Tom Davis or Andre Gomez it's just not in their locker, their like defensive abilities because Gomez going forward, I thought was good in this game. And I thought Tom Davis had, a, I thought he actually played really well. It's just the the balance of the squad is kind of off without DeCourie and Allen, not necessarily those two players fault, but uh, just in time, it's, it's good. It's, Everton are really headed in the right direction. It's just a matter of a matter of time and a matter of transfer windows before I think they can really, really compete and push on. But the fact that they're still like, if they win their next two games are against Newcastle and Leeds. So like, well, we'll talk to you. We'll speak again in two weeks from now and hopefully they do the business, but we'll move on. I want to touch on before we discuss Chelsea, I do want to touch on Arsenal again. Like we, like we have recently Arsenal, they beat Southampton yesterday. Uh, I saw the game. They were very convincing in my opinion. I thought they played really well, and um, but besides the results, they've announced that they've got Martin Odegaard from Real Madrid on loan for a six-month loan. I want to I want to see what you guys have to say about that because, in my opinion, like that's a very very good signing. It's exactly what they need. My only problem with it is the fact that it's a loan, and I don't believe that there's an option to buy. But I really rate Martin Odegaard, and he's really good at Real Sociedad. So. Uh, Jake, I'll come to you first. Based off of what you've seen of Martin Odegaard, yeah, pretty is good. he what <laughs> Arsenal need? Obviously, it's it was like kind of one of the positions that they need. It was like an attacking midfielder. Um, probably less so now than a couple of weeks ago, just because Smith Rowe's been playing so well. But of course, he's young and like he's not he's not gonna be playing like a, in eight out of ten every single week. So it's definitely something that they needed. I hope it works out well for him, just because we've seen like a lot of talented players like kind of lightweightish. Who, who have struggled in the Premier League, like um, like Kai Havertz, I think is probably the prime example right now. Um, and like it, it would be disappointing for him if he joins, because like you said, it's a dry loan, so there's no option to buy. 
it would be disappointing for him if he joins just for a six six months and then it just doesn't work out for him. He doesn't play well. He doesn't get a lot of playing time at all. Um, I think it could just like set him back a little bit after all the good work he did on loan, like at at Real Sociedad specifically last season. But yeah, he's he's a good player who I do like. I just have like a, a couple worries about it. It might not be fair, but I just hope like he doesn't turn out into like a January loan like uh, Dennis Suarez did or like Kim Calstrom like so many years ago. But um, I don't know. Like he's obviously a very talented player, and it, and if he plays like to, to his ability, he'll definitely improve Arsenal's starting lineup. I just hope it works out for him and he gets given the chances that he needs. Uh, but yeah, uh, Aiden, what's your opinion on Odegaard? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting move. And contrary to what you guys are saying, I think that the, the permanent move could happen solely because uh, Real Madrid don't have a lot of money right now. They need to raise some funds. So this could be where uh, Odegaard raises his value a little bit and they get a little bit of money. We know Arsenal don't like to pay it out, but surely they would pay more than a Sociedad would be willing just given the size of the club's. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I was just thinking the same as you with uh, Smith Rowe. Maybe, maybe Odegaard goes onto the right hand side of midfield or the left hand side wherever Saka isn't playing, and Smith Rowe retains his place because uh, he's been so instrumental. It'll be interesting to see how Arteta balances that. Um, but as you say, it, it is kind of risky because he has so little time to settle in and make an impact. So I wouldn't be surprised um, to to see it go the way that you guys are suggesting and, and not a permanent transfer. But I personally, like uh, the caught offside guys suggest, I think that it could be Real Madrid trying to raise some funds and sell off this player. Yeah, I, I rate him really highly. I think I saw some statistics when he was on loan at Real Sociedad. I believe he played like the most passes into the final third or like, like uh, line breaking passes. I think he came second only to, Lionel Messi and that's with real Sociedad and I think that if Arsenal if if I'm Arteta I'm lining it up with I'd have Aubameyang as a striker Bukayo Saka on the left Smith Rowe as the attacking mid and then Odegaard because he's left footed put him as the right winger and he can cut in and combine with Smith Rowe I think that's probably that's probably what I would do but I'm super excited to see him in the Premier League we all know uh, he came onto the scene when he was like 15 years old. We we heard of this guy and, uh, playing for Norway when he turned 16, and or I, I believe it was right when he turned 16. But uh, he he's been one of those talents that you kind of forget about, and then a couple of years later, just just everything clicks, and you can see how good they are. So it's going to be exciting to see him in the Premier League, and obviously Arsenal play against Man United on on Saturday, so it should be an exciting game. Uh, I want to touch on. On uh, Chelsea now, we've heard the news that came out yesterday. Frank Lampard has been sacked by Chelsea, and uh, they've hired Thomas Tuchel, and they had their first game today. Nil-nil against Wolves. I don't think it's really fair to to really go into that game. Obviously, it's a point for both sides, but he's had no time to really meet up with meet up with the Chelsea squad. But overall, where where do we think uh, went? wrong for for Frank Lampard at Chelsea. Jake, I'll come to you first because I think I've I've listened to a bunch of stuff, I've read a bunch of stuff and I've I've kind of got a ch- somewhat of a, a changed opinion as I have uh over the last couple of weeks, but what what do you think what do you think went wrong for Lampard yeah, and do you think kind this of is the right move for Chelsea? When a lot of people thought there was like a chance, like obviously it's just like online opinions, so you can never really trust it. You just saw a lot of people saying like oh Chelsea should sack Lampard maybe like a week or two ago and I'm not 
I'm not too sure I would have been uh, in that camp um, just yet. Like, obviously, things weren't going well, but he did well last season when he wasn't. Yeah, so it's definitely interesting that they chose to to fire Lampard now, especially at, at such a busy time in the season. Um, honestly, you could you kind of saw previous in the season where some fans were expecting him to get sacked, but I actually didn't think it was going to happen uh, this soon, especially considering he's only 18 months in. Like, we've talked so many times about the fact that he shouldn't have been appointed in the first place, which is 100% correct, but... Uh, once he's the manager, I guess you kind of have to back him as much as you can, which to be fair to them, they did in this summer. I'm not really making a good point for Lampard here, but um, yeah, it, I don't know. It was just kind of strange. Like I thought he was going to be given a bit more time. I could, I could definitely see why they decide to pull the trigger, especially since it being Chelsea, they usually give this is about as long as they give their managers before they have to win a trophy or something to keep them in the job. So I can definitely see it. Um, Interesting choice, too, just to replace them with Thomas Tuchel. Sorry, just to go back on my previous point just for a second. Um, one of the main reasons, I guess, why – like, I've, I've been reading, like, two or three articles in Athletic. They've been making, like, some detailed explanations. And One of the main ones is that, like, it seems that most of the players weren't happy under Lampard, to be honest. Like, I'm assuming, like, Mason Mount and stuff were happy playing for him, but – Rudiger was upset. Aspilicueta was upset. You know, Hudson Odoi was upset. Like Havertz and Werner, he wasn't getting the best out of them, playing them in their proper positions. A lot of the players said, and uh, Jorginho and, and quite a bit of players apparently said that if they weren't like in the starting lineup, they weren't made to feel like they were part of the part of the team. So that's definitely a, a big issue. And as probably, I think Jack has mentioned, probably after every single game this season, um, he, he throws his players under the bus. If they lose, it's never his fault. It's always the players letting him down. So that, obviously that's not going to, Gonna lend the players to to endear themselves to him too much, so I could I could kind of see why it was done. I just would have given it a bit more time personally, but um, that's okay. It's just interesting with Th- Thomas Tuchel coming in, like he's worked with Christian Pulisic before, and um, he's worked with like good squads before. I think he's like a good manager. Like uh, to be honest, I don't know. I don't think he'll care too much, but like I've lost a lot of respect for Thomas Tuchel recently because it seems that the reason that he was fired from PSG was because uh, I'm sure you guys remember like in the game with Istanbul Bashakshi here against PSG this season, the Champions League, it was like when the fourth official was was being racist towards uh, an Istanbul Bashakshi here um, assistant coach. It seems that Tuchel was like defending the referee and, t- and trying to force PSG's players to get back on the field and, and get the match going again. So um, definitely like lost a lot of respect for him from, from that. But uh, in terms of like just a manager for the squad, I think he could be pretty good. Like I'm sure the the German influence has something to do with it. Rudiger starting this game after barely being seen this season and uh, probably just geared towards getting the best out of Kai Havertz and, um, and Timo Werner. And who knows, maybe operating in like a, a, a Bundesliga like system or formation that works in that league, just because that's what, you know, Havertz is used to. That's what Werner's used to. Um, like I've mentioned, like Christian Pulisic, he's played in the Bundesliga, obviously. So he's used to it. So I don't know if that's exactly what, what the thinking is, but it seems to, to kind of make sense in, in that in that uh, in that sense, I guess is the best word. But overall, I'm not too sure. Like it's definitely an upgrade in terms in terms of managers. So there, there's not much you can't really say that Chelsea got this wrong. You could definitely say like it, it, it might have been harsh on Lampard, but overall, I think I think it's an upgrade in managers anyway. So if you're gonna do it, I guess um I guess might as well might as well do it now. Uh, but yeah, Aiden, what do you think about uh, Thomas Tuchel and Frank Lampard? Yeah, personally, I just think it was a matter of time for Frankie Boy. Uh, you're right, we've talked about how he shouldn't have got the job, and I think that's fair, but a lot of the reasoning that I've heard comes from the Caught Offside podcast, and they're talking about 
how the feeling around the club in the summer uh, around Chelsea wasn't good regarding Frank Lampard and the vision moving forward and, and everything. And that's even after apparently he overachieved getting them top four football last year and was um, nominated for a manager of the season. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. And I forget the, the woman's name, but the, basically the direct link and the head of recruitment was a big factor in this decision-making um, that's basically the link between Abramovich and the board. And also, like Jake was telling me, and they were saying on Caught Offside, this persistent begging towards the board to bring Declan Rice in was another factor that really annoyed them because he would almost ask every day to get him in, um, even though he has seemingly enough players around him to get the job done. I think that... I wouldn't expect Tuchel to stay around too much longer than Lampard, though, because we just know the Chelsea way. Yeah. So he might even be able to win a cup competition or do something like that. But I don't personally, I don't think he'll ever reach the heights that some might expect him to. He's won the league with PSG, but I think we'd be confident in doing that as manager without getting too silly. I'm, I'm obviously exaggerating a little bit, but. It doesn't take much to win the French League with PSG with players like Neymar and Mbappe. So I wouldn't really be expecting too, too much of a change. Maybe an initial bounce from Tuchel. I watched the game today. I saw that he tried to alter the tactics, brought off Chilwell, went to a back three, and tried to get a bit more expansive later on in the game. But nothing was really happening. They couldn't really penetrate the Wolves' defense. So you can't really base it off that game. But I, I liked how he at least... Uh, made that change and tried to go a little bit more attacking with some width uh, from Hudson and Dorian Pulisic. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really expecting too much of a change overall. Maybe a little bit of a bounce. Like I said, maybe up to sixth or fifth by the end of the season if they're doing really, really well. But I think that the board is trying to cover up for the mistakes that they've already made. Or like trying to cover up the embarrassment. They've signed Kappa, they've signed Havertz, they've signed Werner, and they've all, one way or another, flopped so far. So they're trying to bring in a German influence to get Havertz and Werner going, like you said. But as we always say, you just have to wait and see. Right, Jack? Yeah, I, I think, like, obviously we, we all agree that us here, we didn't believe that Lampard should have been given the job in the first place. So... I, I think it, it there's faults on both sides. Lampard should, with a squad that good should be doing better with the squad. But Chelsea did hire him knowing this guy literally has one year of coaching experience at the championship level. Almost very like he's very fortunate to be given the Chelsea job, which is one of the one of the biggest uh, managerial positions in sports, really. And and we know how harsh. Abramovich and, and the Chelsea ownership and, and board members behind the scenes, how, how demanding they are of, of results. So in, in that sense, it's their own fault. They can like, there are obviously going to be blips along the way. Ultimately, like I never really believed that Lampard was the man we, uh, us three, none of us did, but there's going to be blips along the way. And this, this first really poor run of form, they, they haven't backed him or given him time. I'm not saying that that's the wrong decision, but that they signed up, they signed up a very inexperienced coach, and on their part, it makes them look pretty silly to turn around and then 
fire them given that they're they're underperforming but they should have like the the writings on the wall you know he's inexperienced so it's it's their fault um for for hiring him lampard i from lampard's perspective and it, uh, i know it's it's easier to sit here after and say oh you shouldn't have taken the job but i i don't understand why he he took the the chelsea job after such little experience in a managerial position i would have thought that you'd want to you take your time and learn your trade. Obviously the Chelsea job only comes around so often, but a, a legend like Frank Lampard, you'd think that like if he does well for a sustained period of time, rather than just getting the Derby County job, you'd think that after sustained period of success, the, the door would definitely be open and he still might get another chance in the future, but it, his stock has definitely fallen. But we all know with, uh, uh, with Lampard's status in the game, he'll get opportunities elsewhere. But I just think it was it was kind of a poor decision from both sides. It's it's uh, it's just not a good fit. But as for Tuchel, he you, there's there's no um, debate. He is definitely a better coach uh, than than Lampard, and will probably get more out of the players, especially the German ones. So there's definitely a factor, but. We also know that Tuchel, like he argues with upper management at, at Dortmund when he was there at PSG, he argued there. So I don't know with Abramovich how well they're going to get along, but I don't know. Like it's just, just it wasn't a good fit. And it, it's easier to sit here after and say all this, but when you look at it like that way, kind of exactly how you'd probably expect it to turn out after a little while, but. Yeah, not good. We'll we'll see. I am slightly concerned because I think Chelsea are definitely going to have a better second half of the season than the first half. But I still don't think that Tuchel's ultimately he he might he might prove to be a success. But you never know with Chelsea. It might only give him a year or two. I think the contract was only two yeah. years anyway. Uh, Jake, do you do you know about the contract or do you have anything? To uh, add? I don't have much to add. I think it was a two-year contract from what I read, which I. I for Chelsea standards, the way they go through managers and stuff, it's it's definitely smart uh, to to be safe that way, just like a break clause or something. Um, yeah, just just you know, give themselves the option of like not having to have a massive payout if the team underperforms under him again. It's kind of weird. Like I'm not going to go too far into this, but because <clears throat> we all like, I think even a couple years ago, we all really associated like Thomas Tuchel as like a really really good like up and coming manager, and then I I don't know if it's like due to, like, the arguments that you mentioned he had with, like, the, the board at Borussia Dortmund, like, specifically. But I think PSG only gave him a two-year contract. And Chelsea, I just checked, it's only – Chelsea only gave him an 18-month contract. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if they just don't trust him or if they, they're, like, wary of giving him a long contract just because of, like, reports of conflict that he has with, like, upper um, upper management. Like, it, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting, I think. Obviously, he's the reason – excuse me. Obviously, he's the reason why Sven Mislintat left Borussia Dortmund in the first place, just because they, they constantly argued about like who to sign and who to get rid of and stuff like that. So, I just thought it was kind of interesting that that no one really seems to trust him fully to give him like a, a you know a four or five year contract. But yeah, nothing else to add other than that. I was just going to ask you, Jacob, before we move on. Uh, it's a bit conspiracy theory, but I was wondering if this, if Lampard was hired after the transfer ban was already confirmed or before? Oh, that's a good question, actually. I have no idea. I was just wondering if this was the ultimate plan from Chelsea. Just appease the fans for a year. They'll never go against Frank. 
we'll till the transfer ban is over and then find someone better. I mean, I know it's easy to say now, like we're saying, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I was just wondering if that was maybe a strategy that was employed there. Because he could only do he could only overachieve with the squad that he had, losing Ed and Hazard and having the transfer ban. So I just that was a thought that came to my mind. Yeah, no, if that's what happened, that's that's a genius stroke from Chelsea. <laughs> Obviously like I don't think there were any good managers that were available last summer anyway, other than Pochettino. But I don't think he would have gone to Chelsea after, after being at Tottenham. So that that, that makes sense actually. If I don't know if they did it or not, but obviously if they did, I think it was very genius, very smart uh, management up there. Yeah, you never know. It's it's you know, Roman Abramovich. This guy, he does not mind spending the cash, and obviously does not mind. Uh, paying compensation when he gets rid of managers. I, I, I don't know the stats. Maybe we'll, we'll have to check after, but how much compensation, how much has he paid managers to leave over over the last like 10 years or so has been probably just a ridiculous number, but it, it'll be interesting. I am very interested to see how the season goes, but uh, as a, as a Everton fan and as United fans, I think all of us for this season, especially, especially in Everton's case with the, the position we find ourselves in. I hope that Chelsea continue to struggle because it gives us a much better opportunity of getting into uh, getting into Europe. But I'll move on. The la- last thing I want to discuss today: West Ham uh, beat Crystal Palace three-two at Sellers Park, which takes West Ham to fourth in the Premier League table with twenty games played. Obviously, Liverpool have to play, Spurs have to play two, and Everton still have to play two. Uh, to, to match them. But West Ham currently find themselves in fourth place. Uh, I I did not see this coming. Jake, I'll come to you. I, we haven't given a ton of air time to West Ham, but what is Moyes building here? Is he building something special to you? No, I, I'm still upset about David Moyes' tenure at United, so I can't really, I can't really be too uh, enamored with his teams. But, I mean... <laughs> I can't can't really argue with it. Fourth place, like you mentioned, they're doing really really well. They haven't lost in a long time in the league as well. Um, I think they're on the four match winning streak also, which is which is really good. Um, I can only really give credit to West Ham. Like they have a lot of, of players that I do like. Like I like Jared Bowen. Um, you know, I should be able to name more than one player. I like uh, like Kufal, Lanzini, obviously Declan Rice, and like. There's just a lot of players like Ben Rama and Thomas Suchek. They have a lot of good players that, that I think are like would be good for higher up for Premier League teams that are high up in the in the league. To be honest with you, they're just a I don't know. I I I think well, this is obviously the most obvious statement of the year, but it's quite a surprise to see them uh, right where they are on the table right now, especially considering last season where they looked awful. They looked like they were bound for the championship. So. I'm assuming West Ham fans are just enjoying life at the moment in the top four above last season's champions, Liverpool, above Spurs and Everton, Chelsea, Arsenal. So I'm not, again, just like I mentioned with Everton earlier, I, I'm not sure that West Ham fans would have really believed if uh, if that's where you, you told them that they were going to be at this point in the season. So I can't really have any single criticism of West Ham. They've played really well this season and uh, they've already matched, I think, last season's tally of points with obviously half the season left to play. So... They're on a really good run. Who knows? Maybe maybe this is a season where they could sneak into Europe or something like that. Yeah, personally, I think that David Moyes is building something. Obviously, it's a big, 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 big surprise for me because I think I predicted Newcastle to be – yeah, I still have the sheet here. Newcastle, I predicted them to come 18th, so obviously that's not coming true. 
but David Moyes, he could be building uh, kind of what he did at Everton back in the day when uh, Jack was a young in there, uh, building <laughs> a bit of a, a top six side here. So I like a lot of their players. Thomas Suchek scoring two yesterday, and he's having an unbelievable season. He could be a shout for a bench player or something for team of the season as it goes right now. He's equaled Marcus Rashford on goals in the Premier League this season, which is absolutely incredible. Not the most glamorous goals, but he is 6'5", so he just gets in the box and just throws himself sure. around, so that's all that matters. He's getting the goals. And just, I think their defense still is about like one center back away that's just solid. It looks like an Ogbonna, sorry, is is really going to be in there uh, for quite a bit of time, but I'm not sure about Craig Dawson week in, week out, or Balbuena. It seems like they're rotating there. Uh, Dawson did score a nice header yesterday, but I don't think at his age he's really going to be a week-in, week-out center back, so it's something to watch. But um, post-Mark Noble, West Ham look a, a lot better, and I know we joke <laughs> about that, but I think it's true. What do you think, Jack? <laughs> that is the key. That's all, like all they had to do, replace Mark Noble with Suchak, who this guy's going to finish the top scorer. Like, he just keeps – he's an absolute goal machine from defensive midfield. But, no, it's in all seriousness. I agree with you, Aiden. I, I do see West Ham and David Moyes as very similar to to Everton under David Moyes when they really didn't have much money to spend. We all know about West Ham's ownership is, is, uh, is dodgy, to say the least, but they're definitely uh, building something. And you know Moyes, he's, he's going to demand – uh, the work rate and and uh, you know yeah the work rate and effort from all of his teams and if and it looks like the players have bought into that so you never know maybe and maybe if they keep this going we'll have to see if they have the the depth because they really are only like one injury away I would think to putting Mark Noble back into the heart of midfield but for for now I'm sure West End fans are very very happy and um, I'm happy for them because if like like if you have terrible ownership at uh, at your club, it's just really not good to see, um, and, and very frustrating for any set of fans. But I, I think I don't have anything else to add this week. Um, I, I just want to say thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, we've got Dean, our friend Dean, who was on the podcast last week. He's doing a lot of work on the. On Twitter, is very active on there, so you can follow that at, at OTL Soccer Pod. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you for listening, and we'll be back Thanks. next week. Thank you.